Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. We are live on the Charity Stripe Podcast with your hosts, Alex, Josh, and Nick. We're back, babies. Charity Stripe at your free throws because they are free. Joshua Fisher, DJ Nikki Snacks, Crider, Alex, Tossman, Rock, Disopolis. Gentlemen, we have NBA to talk about, of course, a little MLB. Toss, you texted us this morning. Very stoked about your Rangers. Obviously, I'm in Fenway Park. As you can see, the Red Sox Verdugo. He's becoming a stud walking off uh, the Red Sox last night. Not in last place. That belongs to the New York Yankees. Uh, much to my happiness. I do want to start off because I want to put a button on the NFL draft for us. One of the biggest topics we were discussing was Jameer Gibbs and his drafting status by the Detroit Lions, the 12th overall pick. I read somewhere, and again, you never know how true all this stuff is, but I thought it was pretty interesting that their desire was Devin Witherspoon, an Illinois cornerback, who was, I guess, surprisingly selected by the Seattle Seahawks, who in Pete Carroll's tenure had never selected a cornerback earlier than pick 90, which I thought was pretty interesting. So they go with Witherspoon at five, which prompts the Lions, who their number one guys off the board, to then turn to the rest of their board. The number one guy on their board after that who they wanted was, was apparently Jameer Gibbs. And they were prepared to take Jameer Gibbs at six, six, six ahead of Bijan, which I thought was pretty interesting. But I continue, reading further, there were teams that had Jameer Gibbs in the same tier as Bijan. And obviously, we watched all of Bijan's games. We know him up close and personal. We know him more than the flashy plays, but more so the plays where you think the running back can't get a yard or is going to get knocked back for negative yardage. He actually is the guy that goes and gets three, four yards in the improbable situations. But Jameer Gibbs, again, was a guy we saw and we talked about torching us. So many people had him pretty high or higher than we anticipated. And in our year where the running backs are starting to make a move, up boards and back into the top 15 range. Uh, the Detroit Lions, in what was a very splashy and surprising move, almost made an even splashier and more surprising move with Jameer Gibbs at the sixth overall pick, which would have, I, I imagine, sent shockwaves into the NFL universe. Well, I mean, you said it yesterday that, look, these analysts can project all they want. You know, we can talk all we want about our mock drafts and where we have guys falling and on our big boards and all that. But what these scouts know and what these teams know and what they discuss and what they value is completely different. You know, we're not in the rooms with them. We don't have the expertise that they do. Um, you know, we're not in the coaching staff where they're trying to find the, the perfect scheme fit. So it's very conceivable to see multiple teams valuing a guy like Gibbs higher than what he was projected by the Mel Kuypers and the talking Jays and the Bucky Brooks and the charity stripes and the Joe DeLeon's, you know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, think I ultimately do. They, sorry, that was just they have David Montgomery, and that means a lot. And I think that they can evaluate Jameer Gibbs in ways that other teams that don't have a a running back who can be effective between the tackles on downs one and two. Um, you know that that's a luxury, right? I mean, you look at Derrick Henry and what he was able to do for the Tennessee Titans in the last five to seven years. You look at Zeke Elliott. I know he he's on the decline, but by all intents and purposes, he is an effective rusher on first and second down, and he runs between the tackles well. 
and that has made the Dallas Cowboys offense um, efficient and able to be in third and short situations, and that's what, that's what it's all about. When you want to play winning football, you have to get to third and short, and you have to convert on third down. And when you have a guy like David Montgomery who can do the work in the trenches, adding that, that sexy piece next to him with Jameer Gibbs is, is easier to do. And I'm, I'm not surprised. Like, Nick, you said it yesterday. The guy is unbelievable in open space. He really is. And he, he has another gear, another level, another level of speed that Bijan doesn't have. Um, but Bijan could do basically everything else except beat him in a foot race. So yeah. um, I, I don't think it's – I'm not surprised by that evaluation. That is really interesting, though. It's very interesting. You know what else is interesting? Bijan wearing number seven in Atlanta. That is pretty you picked number seven. It's pretty wild. I I'm I don't know. Obviously, Vic has had a tumultuous history, but there are certain teams, the Cowboys with 88, you know, we saw with USC with 55. I I love a retired jersey. I'm not saying I don't think Vic would have had his jersey retired in Atlanta by any stretch, but I do love the allure of making a jersey number special Mm -hmm. for a team. You know, if obviously no one's going to ever wear 12 again in New England, I think that's they've jumped, you know, that. Uh, But hypothetically, if that became the number for the premier quarterback, that would be pretty, that'd be cool, be exciting. Um, But yeah, again, you guys hit all the points, all the notes on it. I think they had already had, there was talks of moving Swift prior to the draft. The Jamison Williams suspension also hammered home the Lions' need for a playmaker. Uh, to the NBA Celtics go down in what should have been a, a guaranteed win with Joel Embiid, the presumed MVP out the reigning MVP then goes and takes care of business, putting the nuggets up to nothing. What was more surprising to you guys last night? I mean, probably your Celtics going down, right? I mean, that's the game you got to win. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Home court, no Embiid. He will win the MVP, but the more the Nuggets play, the more and more chatter and chirping you're going to hear that he shouldn't have won the MVP. Let me tell you, because Nikola Jokic, look, I, I think Giannis somewhat in this, we're, we're like, it doesn't really matter, these conversations, because all these guys are so talented. But, you know, we go into the playoffs saying that the Bucks are the favorite. Josh, and we were talking about this yesterday on the AMP show. Um, download AMP, go check out that show. We talk hoops Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, a little succession as well. But we were talking about how, you know, it's really like one through four, right? And those guys are all interchangeable. Sometimes it's one through seven when you're talking about the best players in the NBA. And going into the playoffs, it was Giannis is the best player on the planet. And guess what? Right now, it's Nikola Jokic. So, the, the you know, it's razor thin margins. And um, and Giannis's team got bounced in the first round. Nikola Jokic just went up 2-0 on a Suns team that is not very deep. They are the opposite of deep, but they do have Devin Booker and they do have Kevin Durant, who are two of the best scorers in the NBA. Unfortunately, Chris Paul also went down in the third quarter with an injury. And um, I look, I, I, it doesn't really matter, though. Like, these injuries happen in the playoffs. They've always happened. They affect outcomes for sure. But we're, we've also seen teams win without Embiid. Teams win without Giannis. Like, so I, I don't—not that those, those injuries shouldn't hold weight, but— Guys find a way to prevail, even without their their biggest um, and baddest. And by bad in that sense, I mean good. Um, you know, they're stars. So it's going to be interesting. And I think the the Suns are really in trouble here because if the Nuggets split, 
in Phoenix, you know, this series is over. Absolutely. And I, you bring up the superstars and how important it is for them to dominate and to, for them to show face and, and, and rise to the occasion when and Durant kind of struggled a little bit last night, more so than we've ever really seen. I felt in the playoffs. Devin Booker is the one on their team right now, by the way. He's playing like the one on their team for no, sure. He, he might be. He, I think he's the best player on their team right now. There's something either Kevin is just too many injuries or accumulating and the mileage is getting to him late in the season, but, or it's just the fact that Aaron Gordon is an excellent wing defender and can body Durant, but Devin Booker is the most confident. He's creating more for his teammates right now. He is scoring more points. Like he's the number one basketball player on this son's team and KD has to step up, but ultimately this is a roster creation situation here for the Suns. And, you know, can't knock them too much. They're in the second round of the playoffs, but you made the move for KD to compete and win a championship. And you just, you can't lose sight of the fact that you need eight guys to win, to win a championship, not just two. And you can't just drop a guy in. You do. That's what's basically happened. They've just dropped Kevin Durant into the lineup and they've anticipated that he'll gel smoothly and it'll be full steam ahead. And right now they're facing a Nuggets team who by and large, their core nucleus has been together for a coach, MPJ, Murray, Jokic. Gordon's been there now longer than Durant's been there. KCP is a has, is a ring. He's a proven guy. Like this is a team that is Bruce Brown's been there. Like these guys have now played together for a little bit. They've played together all season. They're gelling. Jokic and we bring up again like the stars. But an, an overarching point though I want to make is while Harden was unbelievable and Jokic were unbelievable last night, KCP was hitting big shots down the end of that game. Huge. Massive shots. De'Anthony Melton, which nobody's talking about off the bench for Philadelphia, had five threes. So. While you're saying, yeah, while we're all agreeing, like the stars, stars have to align for teams to win, I think one of the points you are making is you need eight guys, and those eight guys have at least some of those guys have to contribute because Tobias Harris was hitting shots for Philadelphia, Maxi was playing excellent, excellent defense. Like this Philadelphia team, yes, Harden showed Harden of old, and like you said on AMP, improved, outproved me. That was Harden's best playoff game. But a lot of guys had some of their best games last night or played some of their best basketball for Philadelphia. Except Jamal Murray. And so for the Nuggets to get that win when Jamal Murray was abysmal, abysmal. Like, look, I'm I'm the first to criticize guys like Tatum. You know, I, I say it all the time. That what, the distinguishment between him and those top five guys is that he's not as consistent as they are. Well, I'm going to bring the same criticism to Jamal Murray. You can't have a game like that. And Thankfully for the Nuggets, they they you know you're the second best player on the team and you end up winning that game. MPJ also shot, um, he didn't shoot great as well, but I'm a little less critical of him. He's the third, sometimes fourth best player on their team. Jamal Murray is the second best player on their team. He cannot that that can't happen again. And he was excellent in Game One, but no games off in the playoffs. You have to bring it every single night, um, and I'm sure he will when he comes back home. But that was bad, and the Suns didn't capitalize. And once again, Aiton um, just kind of. Mid, like as the kids say, there's really not a, a better definition for him right now. He's just a, he's just mid, man. He's just a big that's like, whatever. He's fine. He's not a first overall pick. That's for damn sure. Mm, what goes down tonight? I agree. I, I want Aiden to be good so badly. He has every, he has everything that you should have in a center to be good. There's just a gear, man. There's a gear missing. There's just something missing with an aggressiveness and a tenacity that he doesn't bring to the table. And it's definitely costing this Phoenix Sun team, Phoenix Suns team, because when Jokic gets into the paint, he 
His floater is there, obviously. His shot is there. But also, you know, what makes him so great is when he gets into the paint, his court vision, his ability to find his shooters in the perimeter, which we saw in full spades at the end of the game last night, is phenomenal. Uh, all right, tonight's games. This is it. LeBron versus Curry. Like, what number LeBron versus uh, Curry is this? Who's got more on the line for their legacy for you guys? No one. <clears throat> I don't think that's a- I know. Look, I know no one has their their legacies are cemented. But who's what championship does this mean more to LeBron or Steph? The tough question. I know it's like obviously like the, it means a lot to both these guys. I think it's, but who's legacy? I think it's equal. I mean, I know this is like a cop out answer, but like you know, we're we're trying to see Steph Curry get it done on his team, and yeah, he's won multiple championships. But like you know, Kevin Durant was on those teams, and. It's just it's nice to see him continue to have success no matter who's on the team. And I know that Clay's also been a constant in Draymond, but um I think, you know, they started off slow this year and it'd be cool to see them kind of pick it back up. And then with LeBron and the Lakers, like they have that bubble championship that people put a blemish on, which we still think is legit, you know, because you'd argue that it's just legit straight up basketball. But um it's pretty equal in my opinion. Cause I mean they both have a ton of rings and you know, they're both Shoe and Hall of Famers, you know, top 10 players of all time. It's 1A, 1B. Hmm. Like, how much more does it really do for your legacy? Yeah. I definitely think that Steph is coming into this game from a legacy conversation standpoint with more momentum, I would say. Um, At least in the way that we are talking about how he took down the Kings, how he had a 50-point game seven. Um, LeBron did have the the excellent finish in the the layup at the end of the game. I think it might have been game five in Memphis where he hit the, the layup to take it to OT, and then he had the and one on Dylan Brooks, and obviously that back and forth, uh, Dylan Brooks. Costing him, <laughs> costing Dylan Brooks his job his in job. Memphis. Yeah. <laughs> Memphis done. said that they want nothing to do with him. They wouldn't touch him with a 29-and-a-half-foot pole or whatever whatever it is in the Grinch. Um, Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with you, Nick. I think it's massive for both of these guys. They both have four rings, too. Both have four rings. Both have four. And and MJ's got six, so it's like, you know, they each got to get two more if they really want to catch MJ. Right, and I think what Steph did last year, like, that's his ring, right? Best player on that team, no question. He did did it himself. He had had, sure... He had three before he, you know, he had one with Kevin Durant, um, but he had also like his numbers hadn't always been that great. He kind of game his shooting had had gone down in the playoffs until last season, and last season his shooting was incredible, and he put on performance after performance after performance, um, and he's doing that once again in, in these playoffs. So I think I would say more of the pressure is on LeBron. Um, in my opinion, but I also think that there were many times during the season that we can't forget that people said LeBron's not even the best player on this team. And there's a lot of pressure on Anthony Davis as well. I want to make that noted. Um, there's a lot of pressure on Clay Thompson after having a somewhat shaky first round series. Um, Draymond, obviously, you know, he's the biggest Braun lover out there. So I know he's excited to, to play against a, a guy that he reveres and respects. Um, but mostly it's just a massive win for the NBA because the numbers that this series uh, from a viewership standpoint is going to bring, it's, it's going to be off the charts every single game. Yeah. Yeah. Every, every I mean, game will be the most watched game this season in the NBA. No question. 
it's crazy that we see these guys meet before the finals for the first time, which is it, it, it's something that I never really anticipated. Because um, Braun being an Eastern Conference player for the majority of his career, I I want to say Steph though. I think LeBron's under pressure just because of who he is and the weight he has carried his entire career. But for and me and yeah, and the Lakers exactly. My narrative, like the Warriors dynasty, they've done it. They've achieved. They've done everything they've set out to do. They've gone to six finals. They've won four. When fully healthy, they've been by and large the biggest constant in the West. It's a, any given you know Sunday you'd see the Warriors there in in late May and June. Now, uh, for me and the narrative I've been pushing lately about Steph Curry being a top three player of all time, I would say for that narrative, Steph winning this title, getting his fifth ring as the best player on this team, his second going back to back uh, again for the second time in his career. I would say that means more where LeBron is already, yeah, he, has more, he has more ground to gain, right? People already consider LeBron the goat. A lot of people do. Yes. He's not mine. I, I'm, I have Michael one a and LeBron one B, but a lot of people have LeBron unquestionably the best basketball player of all time. So how mm-hmm. much f- further up can you go? <laughs> no, you can't. Exactly. And I don't think he could fall further. I think he has cemented himself with Michael. He's, they've, been, they've been talked about in unison for a decade now, plus. Uh, or, and, then, and when they weren't discussed in unison, they were waiting to be discussed in unison. Uh, and I think it's – and you know who else has five in the modern era? And many people, many players regard Tim- him as the best. Timothy Duncan, Kobe Bryant. Timothy Duncan and Kobe Bryant. So Steph, Steph still needs to jump into the Kobe Duncan era level. And I know to maybe even Duncan more so because what he, while Ginobili and Parker are Hall of Famers and he does his pop, Kobe had Phil, Kobe had Shaq. So I, I think for Steph, this is, this is a, this is a bit bigger, but a very monumental matchup in the second round. In the second round, not even the conference finals, which is crazy. Let me ask you guys this: a couple questions. Good for basketball, bad for basketball. Doesn't make a difference if the Nuggets beat the Suns. Um, I don't think it makes a difference. Okay, because they're I both think- like smallish market teams, you know, and. I mean, obviously, you got the Suns have a lot of superstar power, but I mean, Jokic is one of the biggest superstars in the league right now, and I think it'd be good for him, for his legacy, to get to the finals, for him to finally get there and win one. You know, international love, of course. I think the international love is is also huge for the growth of basketball. So, I'm always rooting for the international guys. Yeah, I'm with it. I think. Uh... I mean, you talk about the Warriors franchise. Maybe the Nuggets can become one too, right? Jokic still has a ton of basketball left to play. And feasibly, that that core three of Jokic and Murray and MPJ could be together for a long, long time. And I think I'd like to see them progress and get to that next level. And I would love to see, selfishly, the Warriors play the Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals just just because I want to watch those two teams play offense against each other. In the same way that the Kings and the Warriors were incredible to watch, aesthetically pleasing to the eye. And LeBron's great. He's one of the best of all time. I just said it. He's my 1B. But I'm not watching this Lakers-Warriors series. My, me, myself, Alexander Disopolis, is watching because I want to watch Steph Curry play basketball. 
not because I want to watch Steph versus LeBron. I'm serious. Like, I, I just, any given opportunity that I get to watch that guy run around the court and chuck threes from 30 feet and make every single one of them with a guy right up in his grill, like, it's unbelievable. There's nothing like it. And I also feel the same way about Nikola Jokic because what that guy does at his size, his vision, his shooting ability, there's nothing else like it, truly. And so to watch those two guys and their uniqueness um, would be just a, a dream for me as a basketball fan, for sure. And I think on the Sun side of it, it would be great. You know, I was praising Devin Booker before. It would be great for him to kind of continue to get more of those reps deep in the playoffs. But Kevin Durant joined this team, and I'm less in on him winning a title with the Suns team that he just joined, even if that gets Chris Paul his first ring and Devin Booker his first ring, um, because it, it just it feels unearned in a way. Mm. It, just does, it, it doesn't. It's, it's not going to feel the same as the Nuggets winning. It's not going to feel the same as as the Warriors winning. I like all that, and I like your statement about watching Steph Curry play basketball and everything he does for the eye. Because I think I still I think that statement and those and those and that kind of commentary helps aid the argument of why he should be considered in that top range of guys because of it just, you know, he draws fans and he draws the attention and that's part of being a superstar. Uh, last basketball question, then we'll kind of pivot to baseball for the last, last bit of it. Would you guys ever want to see, I don't think it's possible, but just, you know, it's been discussed before, but not for a while. Would you ever want to see LeBron and Steph team up in the end of their careers? Mm. I mean, towards the end, it, it would kind of feel like, you know, why didn't we get this earlier? Um, I, I don't really care to see it. Okay. It'd be fun to, like, watch for a game. Like, oh, this is cool. But, like, what, when they're 40, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I do think if, if Draymond opts out of his player contract, like, if you're the Warriors, who's, like, offensively the next best replacement and even a better replacement than Draymond, a guy that can create open op opportunities for Steph, has incredible vision. Like he slots in on that offense really, really, really well, and he's always going to make the right basketball play. Not the same defender at 38 that Draymond is right now, um, but I think that would work pretty, pretty well together. I know it's been floated like in past. I just don't think, I don't think Steph wants to play with him. I think LeBron would do it. I don't know if Steph would do it. Why? Mm. Why would he need to? In my opinion. Like, no, nah, I just thought it'd be fun. I'm yeah, with you. Oh, oh, it would be epic. It would be epic. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Um, okay, let me last couple minutes here. Want your thoughts. Rangers, like you texted us this morning, have been on fire. Best team in the AL West. Astros are struggling a bit. Mariners off to a slow start. Angels as Angels and A's as we expected. Does the DeGrom injury put a blemish on this? Because now the contract is there. He's hurt again. We just seemingly can't get a full season out of this guy. Well, the the last two starts that he's had, he's gotten yanked early. He's, he hasn't gone more than five, I don't think, in the last two starts because he keeps it's the same injury that comes back and back again and again and again. Um, I mean, I I still think we can. I mean, I'm looking way too far ahead, but just I, I think we could win the division without him. But like in the playoffs, like we need him. You know, like we just we have to have the ace we have to have the degrominator if we actually want to be a serious contender in the playoffs but um i think this is a, a well put together team right now i think we're being managed well i think our bats are hot and the lineup works well together and um 
yeah, I mean, I think guys have stepped up. Obviously, Martin Perez is like just a massive story last year, what he was able to do coming into this year, continuing that to a certain extent. Um, we got some young arms in the farm, so maybe some of these guys, you know, have to take a step up early. And and that's what this turns into with with Degrom going down. Who knows? But yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm just enjoying the ride because this is this is fun to watch, and this team is putting together good games. And they're seven and two against teams that went to the semifinals or, or further, um, which is the opposite of what we were talking about with the Rays. So I, I like that they're beating good baseball teams too, and they're taking care of business, of course, against the bad teams. But there's been a lot of good stories in in the MLB thus far, not just the Rangers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, really exciting. I, 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 I enjoy that lineup. Now they don't, they don't have Seager either. So once you insert right. Seager, Josh Young, uh, I mean Jonah Heim's been Jonah Heim's been the best catcher in the AL. Like I, I'm, I more so want him to get the recognition that he deserves. He's been awesome. He really has yeah, been. But the, so you're low, Semyon, Young, Seager, Heim, and Garcia. then you have Garcia. Yeah, like obviously can't forget him. Like it's been a really, they're going to be big players at the deadline. I, it'd be, it's a shame Jack Leiter has the yips right now because he's an arm that they could, or Kumar Rocker. But Eovaldi yeah. had a great game the other day. So I think yeah. the Rangers are, I wanted to give you, because you texted us this morning, a little shout for a very exciting Texas team. All right, gents, guess what? What's up? See you, see you tomorrow. Go Devils, I guess. Sorry, Rangers fans. <laughs> Hockey kind of like, I'm not even a big Bruin. I'm not a Bruins fan or a Rangers fan. I just feel like it's that hockey is better when those two like teams are making it versus like the Devils and the the Florida theirs. Not even the yeah. real theirs. The Bruins especially. I mean, I don't like you can't lose to your crosstown rival for nothing in a game 7. That's embarrassing. Yeah. It's the armpit of America, New Jersey. Pathetic. Pathetic, pathetic. All right, hook them horns. Hit your free throws. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.